once again, so glad that you're here. We don't always do that, uh, but we do like to have fun. That's kind of important to us. Who said church was not supposed to be fun? Actually, a lot of people say that, but we just don't say that around here. So, so uh, again, my name is Alan, and uh, so glad that you're here with us. Some people, uh, you know, you just did this a minute ago. Some people follow the rules and say, okay, it's to the right, to the right. To the right, to the right. Some people kind of go, to, and then some people kind of make it up as they go along and kind of, you know, do a little extra and kind of add their thing. You, you watch Diana, you kind of see what that looks like when, when she kind of makes it look good, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And so um, there are those who, who follow the rules and, and those who like to kind of make up their own rules. We've been in a series for the last five weeks talking about the law in the Old Testament. We've been looking at the first half of the Old Testament story, which is really the foundation, not just for the people of God, but for humanity overall. It's the foundation of the overall story of God. And what God does is he, he sets us up and he says, we need to have laws, that, that humans need boundaries, we need guidelines, we need limitations in order to thrive, in order to function. We may push back against them, we may not like them, but we need to have these boundaries, laws, limitations, etc. So what happens when we don't like them? What happens when we want to go our own way? We want to make up our own rules. Absolutely. Because the reality is we, we are thoughtful, intelligent people. So God doesn't want us to just be robots. Isn't it, isn't it reasonable to think that we can look at our own circumstances and we can make some adjustments to the laws. We can kind of set some things up for our own situation. Can't we make up our own rules? We're going to talk about that a little bit here this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we are so thankful that you are here, that you, um, that you invite us to come and be together with one another, to hear from you, to be with you, and enjoy life and enjoy uh, our time together. So, God, as we gather here in this space, as we worship and, and, um, and as we have fun, God, would you come and speak clearly to us about your law, speak clearly to us about your way for us. We pray in your son's name. Amen. So in, in week one of this story, for those of you who remember, we looked at the story of Adam and Eve that God started the whole thing. The, the very foundation, the first few chapters of the Bible are God setting up the, the, the creation of all things and then starting with one law. And it was about a tree in the middle of the garden. And God said to Adam and Eve, you can enjoy anything in the garden, anything at all, except for that one tree. I got an email the Monday after that Sunday from someone uh, asking a question about that tree, a very good question that I did not address at all in that, in that message, saying, was there some significance to the fact that the tree was the knowledge of good and evil? So could it have been just any, uh, uh, any tree? Could God just said here, that apple tree. You can eat from any tree except that apple tree. That that's kind of the start of the, of the law. They just, just want to have one kind of boundary to set things up. Or was there something significant about that particular tree? The knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It's a great question, and I think our God is intentional. Our God has a plan, and so there is a purpose and a reason for that particular tree as a part of that story, as a part of that first law. There is a reason for that, and I think basically God was saying, 
do you want to decide, Adam and Eve, do you want to decide what is good and evil, or are you going to trust me with that part? And I think God asks each and every one of us that ongoing question. Do you want to decide what is good and evil, what is right and wrong? Is that something you want to take on for yourself? Make up your own rules, or do you want to, can you trust God? I think it's the same question that God asked Adam and Eve that he asks us today. Do you want to take care of that or do we want to trust God? I think God is like Aladdin reaching down for Jasmine saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Remember the scene? He does it once when he's a street rat and once when he's a prince. He has the same thing. He reaches down and says, do you trust me? I think that the point of the 613 laws in the Old Testament the point of the entire Old Testament story, the point of the foundation of the story of humanity is that we can trust God. And it is an ongoing journey where God invites us and basically says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Abraham, I want you to leave your hometown, all that you know and love, your family and your friends, I want you to leave all of that And I want you to go to the land of Canaan, the promised land. I want you to go there. And sometime later, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your one and only son, I want you to take him up to the top of the mountain to make a sacrifice up on the mountain. What? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Even when it's it's the most difficult scenario in your life, do you trust me? Moses, I know you've had a long story with your people in in slavery in Egypt and that you've been a shepherd for 40 years, kind of walked away from all that. But now I want you to take your old stuttering self and go to the Pharaoh who many consider to be a god and tell that Pharaoh to let my people go, to let my hundreds of thousands of people who are in bondage and slavery in Egypt, I want you to go. And do that. And then after the the Israelites were freed from slavery, they were traveling around in the desert for 40 years. And God said, I want you to get manna in the morning. Every morning, get manna. Only enough for that day. No more. Don't collect more. Don't collect any more for the day after that because it'll go rotten. Just collect your manna every day to sustain you for that day. Do you trust me? Israelites, do you trust me that I will provide manna for you again tomorrow and again the next day? And you don't need to hoard and you don't need to stockpile. Do you trust me, people of God? Do you trust me? Joshua, now that you are Moses' successor, I want you to take the people of Israel, cross the Jordan River, and I want you to take that city of Jericho with the impenetrable walls around it. I want you to walk around Those walls, seven times, just walk around the walls. We're not fighting. We're just walking around the walls. And then on the seventh time, the walls are going to come crumbling down. Years later, Samuel, I don't want you to choose the oldest and the biggest of all the brothers to be the next king of Israel. I want you to choose the youngest one, the shepherd, the youngest and the smallest of all of them, this guy named David. I want you to choose that young man to be the next king of Israel. Do you trust me? 
Do you trust me? God's saying this over and over and over again in this story. And the people respond to it. In the writings we see multiple times in the Old Testament, it just says, remember what God has done. Remember that God freed us from slavery. Remember, remember that God is faithful. Multiple times in the Psalms, part of the writings and the celebrations in their songs is, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. So no matter what happened, no matter what's going on, we can trust God. His love endures forever. There will be many heartaches, there will be many difficulties, but we can trust God. I think the point of the foundation of the whole story, I think the point of the law is that God wants to reach down and say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? This is so important because trust is the highest level of relationship. Trust is the highest level of relationship. I might say, you know, I, I meet you. And then I get to know you a little bit. We ask questions and we spend some time together. And then I enjoy you. I like you. I'm, I'm now in a committed relationship with you. I love you. I trust you. I think trust is above love. I love my dog, but I don't trust her. Some of you can relate to this. We have a, a little dog and we have a, a law in our home that we've been very consistent with. She's 10 years old now and we, she does not go up on our bed because Tammy and I need a good sleep. And so she does not go up on the bed. That's not a place for her. She gets anywhere else in the house, but not on the bed. We have, been, we have not been unclear about this law in our home. Yet, as soon as we leave... We know where she goes. As soon as we leave the house, it's like she's just making, it's like she's going by because the one place she wants to be, and we can see because we have white, uh, we have white uh, uh, mattress, and, and you can see her paw prints on the, on the, on the, on the bed there. And even more um, uh, disturbing is that she gets up and she pulls all the covers down and she creates a little nest for herself. And, 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 so, and then we come home and then she hops down off the bed and sits, sits on the ground. You know, thinking that there's no evidence up there and thinking that she's getting away with something. Here's, here's just a picture of her sneaking on there. And so this, you can just see how rotten those little eyes are that she's, I love her, I just don't trust her. And I could say the same thing about my kids, that, that they don't allow on the bed either. No, that I, I love them. I love them unconditionally, no question about it. But there are times when I don't trust them. Jesus says we are to love our neighbor. It's, it's summed up as, as the greatest commandment, summing up all of the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Elsewhere, Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Jesus even says on the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. But it doesn't mean we have to trust them. It doesn't mean in all relationships that we just continue to trust, 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 trust. That there are times when we set boundaries for ourselves and we say, you know what, uh, this is perhaps not a safe person in my life, and so I'm going to love that person. But that we can have some boundaries to say, trust is not quite there in this relationship. Love is a requirement laid out in Scripture. Trust is the goal. <laughs> trust is this, is this next layer, next level of relationship. 
When, when we don't trust someone in our human relationships, when we don't trust our spouse, when we don't trust our kids or friends or coworkers, then every exchange has tension. There's always this underlying tension if we don't trust each other. And then when there's a misunderstanding, not if, but when there's a misunderstanding, there's an email exchanged back and forth. And it's just not quite sure what the tone of that is supposed to be. When there's a misunderstanding and there's no trust, we fill it with something negative. We fill it with negative assumptions about the other person and their heart and their intentions, etc. But on the other hand, when there is trust, when you trust your spouse or your kids or your friends or your parents or your coworkers or whatever, when there's trust, then every exchange is filled with hope. And when there is a misunderstanding... It, it, it's filled with something positive just to say, okay, that, that hurt or that bothered me or that, that, that was difficult. But because there's trust there, I give that person the benefit of the doubt. Trust is a powerful, powerful tool. We all know this. It takes years to build and develop trust. But it's fragile and it can take a minute to lose it. Trust is this incredibly valuable, important commodity. It's this thing, this is highest level of relationship. And we build trust with one another. Conversation after conversation. Promise after promise. Story after story. The trust builds and grows. And I think what God's doing in the first half of the Old Testament is he's trying to build trust with his people. Conversation after conversation. Promise after promise. Story after story. Law after law. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Can you trust me with this incredibly important task of identifying what good and evil are? God is saying, can you trust me with that part? Can you trust me to help you understand what is the wise thing to do? If you recall, our theme for this, for this 18 weeks, for the fall of 2019, our theme for the whole journal, if you have your journal, I hopefully, hopefully you're walking through that with us. And for all these series, series as we're walking through the fall of 2019, there is a thread through the whole thing. It says at the bottom, bottom left of the cover of your journal, part orange, wisdom. That this whole journey here in this fall is just about how can we make wise decisions in our lives? We, we, we all want wisdom, and we're trying to figure out what wisdom looks like. How can we make wise decisions? Can we trust God enough that God will provide us with wisdom in terms of the best pathway, the best decisions? Can we trust God with what is good and what is evil? Last week, I talked about the story of David and Bathsheba, and that David made some very poor choices as king, the worst section of his life, the worst part of his story was how he handled that whole deal. And the consequences for his choices and his sins was that their son died. David and Bathsheba had a son who died. But then they had another son whose name was Solomon, who would become the successor of David on the throne of Israel. Solomon became the next king and God was pleased with Solomon. And God said to Solomon something extraordinary. It's kind of connected to the Aladdin story. God was kind of like a genie in this story and said to Solomon, in 1 Kings chapter 3, you can look, at, look this up. He says, I will give you whatever you want. Whatever you want as you prepare for this king role, 
Ask it, and I will give it to you. What, what, a, what an amazing question. The God of the universe. Well, how would you respond to that question? If God said that to you and offered that to you, God's never said that to me, but if God has ever said that to you, what would you ask for? Seriously, what would you ask for? What would it be? Would it be health? Would it be some kind of material thing? Would it be a relationship, a significant relationship? Would it be the ability to play hockey like Connor McDavid? How many? Raise your hands. How many is that? The first thing that came to your mind. Yeah, okay, okay. We have one in each service, I think, so far who connects with me on that. But those are legitimate, godly things, I think. And so what might, what might your request be? Solomon says, he says, I am but a child here in this role, entering into this role as king, which is, a, which is an amazing thing for him to say. I'm but a child. I, I need help with this role as king. As I've said multiple times before, it's, it's the first half of the Old Testament. Basically, it's, it's, it's the children of God in need of guidance from a loving father. So Solomon wisely acknowledges that he is a child in need of guidance from the Father. And what he asks for is wisdom. He wants a discerning heart so that he can help others identify what is wise and what is not wise. Solomon is considered the wisest person to have ever lived. He wrote the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. It's pretty interesting, King David, his dad, wrote most of the book of Psalms, and Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs. So these, these two significant parts of the Old Testament were written by those two kings in succession. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, and he famously says in chapter 3, verse 5, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Let me pause there for just a minute. These are the two options. We can either trust in the Lord or we can make up our own rules. We can lean on our own understanding. Those are the two options. So imagine that this aisle down the middle represents the pathway to God. And those double doors over there, that's, that's, that's God's plan for our life. That, that is the joy and the fulfillment and the purpose that we are longing for. That is, is what we do, the cover of our journal says, realize your role in God's story. That is realizing our role in that story, that God is inviting us to play a significant role in the story that's going on around us. And that's where true fulfillment comes from. Scripture from the very beginning to the end says this is the pathway that God wants us to walk. This is the pathway to what our hearts long for. This is trusting the Lord with all our heart. And then imagine that this aisle over here, no offense to you, I wasn't, I'm not picking on you, but this is, this is the aisle where we say, I want to go my own way. This is the aisle that says, I want to make my own decisions. This is the aisle that says, I don't want to go down that path. I want to go down my own path. And most of us are familiar with this path at some place at some, in some way. And there are many reasons to go down this path. There are many reasons that, that we or our friends or our neighbors or our family are going to choose this path. Maybe we truly believe that it's better than this path over here. Based on whatever information we have, that we say this, this is the better path. That, that I, I don't really care what this, this ancient 
ancient scripture that, that it doesn't apply to real life anymore. So many of these laws are completely irrelevant. This, this doesn't apply to me or my life. I've got a better plan. I don't care what the church says, what my parents say, what the preacher says, whatever. I've got a better plan. It's like, you know, I've come to the point where I trust the map on my phone. There's so many times where I, I have a map and it tells me which direction to go. And I look and I think, no, I, I can do this better. I know a better way than that. And so then I follow my own way and I get stuck in traffic. I go, oh, should have trust the map on my phone again. And so, so God's saying, here's, here's the map, here's the pathway. And we say, I think I'm going to go up 50th Street. I think that's a better pathway than what God has. There are many reasons that we might choose this over here. Maybe, maybe we don't know about this pathway. Maybe we're just walking through life and, well, this looks like a good path. Maybe we don't know that there's a way that God has laid out for us, a, a plan, the, the laws and the system and the way that God has, has walked out how to do life in Scripture. Maybe we're just not aware of this. A number of weeks ago, I talked about Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, what if we don't know about that verse? What if we don't know about that concept about what the renewing of our mind is and what this pathway is? What if all we know is the pattern of this world? We say, that's what everybody else is doing. That's what they do on the TV shows I watch. And so this is, this, this is I don't know about this. This is all I know is over here. That's, that, that makes sense too. Sometimes, though, we take this path because we, 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 just, don't, we just don't care about this path over here. It's, it's not a, a, an issue of uncertainty or not knowing. We know exactly what this path is. It, there's no ambiguity about it. In some area of our life, some relationship, some decision, some part of our life, and we just say, I know exactly what God has for this. I know exactly what God's plan is for this. That's, there's, there's no question about that. But I want this. I want what I want. The heart wants what it wants. That, it looks so green over there. And I just, it looks tasty and I want it. I want what's over there. I don't, I don't think the, the point of the law is do this, don't do that. Don't do that, do that. I think the point of the law is do you trust me? Whether it makes sense to you or not, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Solomon continues in the next verse. He says, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. Again, most of us here in this room, we can relate to this path. We've, we're either on that path right now or there's been a time in our lives when we've been on that path. We look down that pathway and we go, yeah, I, I remember that tree. I look down, I'm, I'm familiar with this path. I remember that, that, that sign that says, warning, curve ahead. I remember that sign that says, do not enter. I remember driving right past it. I, I'm familiar with, with, this, with this pathway over here. I'm painfully familiar with this pathway over here. And what this verse says is, is, he will make your path straight. 
So if, if we're either on this path or we've been on this path, the good news of verse 6 is that it says, God can make your path straight. God can say from wherever we are on this pathway, God can say, I'll take you to that place over there. Realize your role in God's story. I'll take you from wherever you are. I'll take you there. You don't need to go back here. You don't need to do all this waiting and all this system or whatever. There isn't a religious system that you have to do. God says, I will make your path straight, and we can go right there. But that's, that's the good news. That's what we talked about last week with David and Bathsheba, that David had made decisions that had consequences that he couldn't fully recover from because Jesus hadn't died on the cross. But now because Jesus has died on the cross, this verse is even more explosive. From anywhere that we are over here, God can make our path straight to that place. It's great news, but it's risky to go down that path and just kind of wait for that moment that we're going to trust God to go over there. It's risky. The better way is just to say, I trust you, God. I trust you. I trust you. I'm going to stay on this path. I've known people who just say, I'm, but I'm bored with this path. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, of just trying to make, trying to be the good person or make all the right decisions. And I've, I've talked with young people, you know, and they say, they say, I want a story. I want a testimony like those people over there who went from that path. I want a testimony like that. I want a testimony that will make middle schoolers think I'm awesome and it'll make older women blush. I want a testimony like that, but it's risky. Imagine you are the parent of a 17-year-old girl, and she wants to go with her friends to a concert in L.A., just the four of them. Now, the answer is no. Okay, I'm not, I mean, I'm just, I'm not setting up a huge debate there. The answer is no. Wisdom says no. That's what the answer to that is. Yeah, but dad, I just, no, the answer is no. Well, you, but you need to understand, no, the answer is no. But let's just say that the circumstances of that story were actually starting to tempt you as a parent. That the circumstances were making you say, I don't, maybe there's a 0.003% chance that maybe she's going to go and it is the, the four of them and they know each other from, from church and they always sit in the first three or four rows and, and they're going to a, to a Carrie Underwood concert and, uh, and she's a believer. And so they're, they're going to that and it's, and they're going to stay at your cousin's house in LA who is a nun. And so the whole thing... <laughs> You know, maybe all of the pieces are coming together. And you're thinking, you're thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe. Would you rather her take your newish Honda with a four-cylinder engine and 23 airbags inside the car? Or take her friend's 1980 piece-of-junk Mustang GT with a five-liter V8 engine in it? and they didn't even know what airbags were. Which one would you choose? Would you say, you know what? That sounds like fun. Live it up, put the top down in the, in the old clunker Mustang and enjoy it. Would you say, even if you were tempted to let her go, would you say that? No. No. It's just, it's just sometimes, it's just, sometimes life is not about YOLO. You know, just sometimes as a parent, the wisdom says, no, we're not going to do that. That, that this pathway has, has so much draw. There's so much alluring to this pathway. It, it, can, be, it can be exciting and, 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 and all of that stuff. 
but it's risky. It's, you never know what's going to, you never know how we're going to get stuck in there. We're going to take a wrong turn and we're not even going to be aware that the pathway exists anymore. It's just a risky pathway. It is an eternity threatening pathway. There is so much at stake when we decide, I'm just going to take this road for a little bit and trust verse 6 is going to take care of me sometime later on. God says, instead of that, trust me, trust me. First half of the Old Testament is an overall story of God starting the foundation of humanity with one law about a tree in the middle of a garden. Connecting and helping us understand we need boundaries in order to thrive. Freedom always needs boundaries. And then that turned into ten laws, the ten commandments that have dramatically shaped our culture that any society with a code of laws has the Ten Commandments as a part of its root system. And then that turned into hundreds of other laws, many of which we view very differently now that they go through the filter of Jesus. Many of those laws, are just they're just different now when they go through the filter of Jesus in the New Testament. But the overall plan for all of this, the point of all of those laws, the point of this whole thing is God saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? If, if you're brand new to this whole church thing, if this is your first time or you've just been coming for a little bit and you're trying to figure this out, and, and I wouldn't expect you to trust God. I wouldn't expect you to trust God. We don't do that in other relationships where we just meet somebody and somebody else tells you that they're great. So then you say, okay, I'll trust you with my life. I wouldn't expect that. That's not reasonable. But if you been in the presence of God for some time, if you have been coming here for a while and there's this ongoing message through scripture, through friends, through words, through whatever, that God is, is trustworthy, we can trust God. We can trust God time and time again. It comes to the point where God reaches out and, and just once again says, do you trust me? Yeah, but I... I don't know anything. I still, I still don't know how Proverbs fits. I still don't know what this whole story is. I still don't know about why Jesus died and why there was so much blood, and I still don't know anything. Okay, but do you trust me? Yeah, but I, I, got, I got these habits, and they're very powerful, and I don't know if or how I'll possibly break free from these habits. I know. Do you trust me? Yeah, but, yeah, but this, this is going to take a long time. You, you, you don't know how, how, how much resistance I'm going to have with my parents and my whole life. The way I do life is just different. It's just not going to fit with what, with what this pathway is all about, with what I'm learning here. It's just not going to fit. It's really difficult. I know. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, oh, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your pathway. I thank you that all that we read about you is, is beautifully simple in terms of your love for us and your invitation for us to be your children, while at the same time it's incredibly complex. 
Father, I pray for any who are on this, this pathway of trusting you and just feel like it's like they're bored. God, I pray that you would remind any man and woman here in this room that a journey with you is an adventure. It's exciting that you invite us into incredible, beautiful, challenging things. I pray that you would put those in front of us on this, this pathway of trusting you, that you would bring us into the, the passion and the adventure of following you. And I pray for any here in this room who are on this, this pathway of our own understanding, making up our own rules, God. I pray that, that you would stop us in our tracks, that we would stop exploring this risky territory and just follow you on a direct pathway to your plan, to your will, God. Would you take these words, take these verses, and have them mean something very personal and intimate and powerful to each and every one of us here in this room? I pray in your son's name. Amen.